it's the much-anticipated Frog and Toad episode. We got frogs. We got toads. They're weird and rad. And they're extinct. <laughs> what? What's so funny? It's just like manufactured hype, and I love it. Uh. you ever feel so bad inside? Welcome to Extinction Events. Welcome, Jack. I love it because you're already off to with like the enthusiasm of a second grade teacher. <laughs> Let's. Who get knows that, that everything, although all their lesson planning is just going to unravel the second those doors open. Yeah, you're we- trying to get them hyped up with frogs and toads. Something you know the kids are like. Give it five minutes, and it's just going to be macaroni on the wall and crying screaming and i'm a little concerned the yeah. janitor coming in with some wood chips to clean up some puke <laughs> wow yeah you had a crazy uh science class like <laughs> yeah i mean all that happened in elementary school people puked in your class yeah yeah you- this happened to everybody you never had a kid puke in class no, I can't recall. No, I've planes. I've been by people vomiting on a plane. But I'm talking like elementary school. I don't remember. I no. remember several times. Maybe we're just a little more free with our puke in elementary school in California. You know, like I don't. You went to elementary where? I went to elementary school in California, but I also did New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, uh, I mean, it was just a little more free-flowing, I guess, whatever. Free-flowing. Mm-hmm. A little more laid back. You can throw up in class. It was probably cool. the diet, honestly. <laughs> We've talked about it. This is a reoccurring theme on the show, which is what us kids in the 90s were getting pumped with. It was a very extreme oh. age for children's nutrition. Do you know what I think about almost on a daily basis is the high fructose corn syrup. Mm-hmm. Everything's labeled that they don't have that now. So we just got pumped full of it. Oh, yeah. And also the parabenes and the parabons in the shampoo and any kind of skin product, we had those too. I don't know what those are. I don't know what they are, but... They're probably in a squeeze it in a fruit roll-up also. <laughs> Uh, I don't I don't know what that's going to do to us. But Jack, so th- we've been talking about this frog and toad episode for seasons. I've been trying to do it, right? <laughs> and every time I sit down, I frankly get a little bored because you can't just do one frog or toad. You have to do a bunch cuz there's we don't there's not enough information to do a whole episode really. Well, every time you bring it up that you're going to do a frog and toad episode, I immediately get fa- flashbacks to, and you already know what I'm going to th- say. Huh? Tacopa puffish. Yeah, Tacopa pu- Yeah. With puffish. I don't think it's going to be like that. I've got a lot of information. I tried to keep it interesting. We're, we got a lot of frogs to get through. Tacopa puffish. <laughs> I still look. It's a bad I episode. I can't even say it. But <laughs> Tacopa puffish. <sighs> It's like I have cotton balls in my mouth. 
My body doesn't want to say it. I know. It's like, just let it die in the past. We can speak of it never again, if you Go wish. on. You were okay. explaining the frogs and toads. Well, it's going to be exciting. And then also, if we have time, I, I've been talking about this thylacine update for a couple episodes now. Really hyping we'll, it. We'll yeah. do that. Also, now that I have had time to... Uh, digest and recover from last week's episode where I was like basically a statue of a of a podcast guest. I gave you absolutely We turned the tables, okay? Uh, It's not easy to do step into the shoes of someone who's come completely unprepared and (laughs) you know, whose only job is to just be a, a word vomit we're going to theme here, Robert, and just <laughs> speak on things as they happen. It's not easy. It's not easy. And I'm, I am apologize now if you listened to it and it was torture. <laughs> I know it was because I had to edit it and it took me like it was the longest edit of my life. Um, well. I, I'm not saying I don't want to do another Man Eater episode with you, but I need to prepare i need your scripts beforehand and i'm gonna like the thing is you gotta not care very much yeah not that i don't care about this but you have to come into it with you know i don't really care you don't care about the animal sweet yeah 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 right and already i was like don't give this tigress a bad name i love her (laughs) (laughs) yeah so anyway We got so much to get through. Let's just start. First, let's get this out of the way. Do you know the difference between a frog and a toad? Um, One is slippery and slimy, and the other is more warty and dry. That's pretty accurate. Really? Yes. In general, if it's smooth, it has moist skin, it's probably a frog. And if it has dry, bumpy skin, it's probably a toad. Frogs like water, toads, not as much. but they, they Not as much, but they live by the water. Frogs usually have longer legs. Toads usually have shorter legs. Mm. A way I kind of think of it is smooth and moist frog, dry and bumpy toad. Is there like a rhyming way you could do that to help us remember? Um, Smooth and moist. Frogs are foist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're foist. (laughs) And rough and bumpy. Toads aren't grumpy. Okay. Because they kind of look like grumpy, but I'm I'm jumping ahead. I'm assuming you're going to tell me that toads are not grumpy. Well, here's what I I was actually going to tell you is that technically a toad is a frog. <laughs> They're the same thing. Uh, but from a popular culture perspective, not a scientific one, when we see frogs that certain look a certain way, we call them toads. So <laughs> there is really... It's a real butterfly moth kind of thing. Are they the same? I don't know. I don't know either, but... I, I, yeah, it's the same thing. We just, when they're a little bumpier, we like to call them toads. <laughs> Did you dissect one in science class? Yes, it was seventh grade. I remember it distinctly holding the scalpel, slicing its belly. It was pregnant. There was a lot of like little 
basically what are those boba balls uh-huh. there was a lot of those guys in boba there balls. they weren't boba balls they were the eggs <laughs> um and i the smell is i can still smell it and i think i had to like drop picture of it or something so i excelled in that what is the real point of dissecting a frog other than sort out the babies okay <laughs> You know, or the psychos, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, it could be. <laughs> There's a camera in the science class, and who are those people that decide help you figure out where you're gonna go to college? What are those? Uh, pe- like a counselor, college counselor kind of person. Yeah, and there was a name for them, more specific, but they're they're watching on a closed circuit. They have like way more responsibility than you could ever know as a kid. And they're like secretly judging you all the time, performing these tasks. Right. They call it, and they're going to place you on your track that's going to decide the rest of your life. And dissecting the frog is a huge part of it. Right. Tell me, what was your experience? I remember dissecting something. I don't know if it was a frog. I think there was like a, a backup thing you could do too, another one. Um, I want to say we- Squid. Uh, Maybe squid, like a little squid. Squid doesn't count. Squid's basically dissected for you. I don't remember doing it. You frog. hold the squid and you say, "Has this thing already been dissected?" <laughs> I bring it up because that used to be pretty standard, and this trend is now subsiding because you can just do a digital dissection of them. What? I think it's great. Why are we doing that? There's no point. What what practical use does this give anyone? Because Why you're are we... doing it with your hands. <sighs> then if you're going to take that track, if the guidance counselors say, okay, Jack, you're going to go into a science school and get a science degree, then maybe you, you could go to a there's class. There's a visceral feedback of holding an instrument in your hand and doing experiencing one-to-one. There are definitely doctors. There are definitely veterinarians. There are definitely a whole untold swarms of people who experience that and set them on a track that you are not going to get digitally. I just don't think we need to continue breeding and murdering a bunch of frogs just so we can see if somebody likes using a scalpel. Is that what they do? Or is just some guy scooping up frogs down at the thing and selling them to schools, <laughs> right? Because that's a job, an honorable job, honorable pay for, you know, honest pay for honest day's work. Also, how do you sort out the babies? How do you find out who's a big weenie and can't cut the frog open? Isn't there a whole lunchroom devoted to sorting out the week? It's a different, it's another level of the gauntlet that is public schools. Dang. All right. Yeah, you're right. Did, did anybody object when you had to do it? I'm sure somebody did. I don't remember. It was all blur. I really wish I knew what it was, though, that we dissected. Hold on one second. Things you... Pig fetus is one. I think I dissected a. That was in high school, though, because I was in like an AP biology. <gasps> Here's the list of most commonly dissected vertebrates frogs, fetal pigs. Yeah. No, just, thanks. I did it. You did that? In high school, yeah. How many 
things did you dissect in high school? I just told you I was in like an AP biology class and they let you dissect more. Yeah. Wow. So you made it past like the first tier of the game. They saw me on the video. <laughs> they saw that how emotionlessly, <laughs> how heartlessly I sliced open this frog and took out its babies. And they said, this kid has got something. He can slice open a pig. <laughs> and then they moved you up to... F- uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Was there anything else? Because also on the it list... It makes sense. Look who's the most rewarded person in our society. Doctors. Sociopaths. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Be- right? Because they become doctors. Any CEO, any person who is at the top of their industry is a complete sociopath who does not care about others. You're right. And completely detaches emotionally. This is all some underground. And now we're going to lose that with digital frogs dissections? There's probably a pop-up ad coming up in the middle of it trying to sell you, I don't know, friggin' six weird ways to get rid of stains on your clothes. Stupid. (laughs) Where are the sociopaths of the future going to come from? I don't know. I, can we get back to the frogs? I'm just okay. trying to spice it okay. up because I know what's coming with these frogs. Okay, we're never going to get to the frogs. It's going to be like a three-part episode. Frog it. I was going to say also, you. everybody knows this, but they used to do pregnancy tests back in the day. Like if you needed one, um, how it worked is you would take urine from a woman and inject it into a female frog. And if the frogs started to lay eggs, that's how you knew. Everybody knows this? I thought that was... I've never heard this. It's... What? Really? No. (laughs) This sounds like some medieval... This is like a test the Maesters came up with on Game of Thrones. (laughs) I I forget when they started doing that, but that was... If you wanted to find out, that was the way that they did it at the lab. Up until when? <laughs> I don't know. I want to say like the 70s. Let's wow. Okay. That's crazy. You're really opening my eyes to frogs and toads. Um. Okay. I just looked it up. They were commonplace from the 1940s through the early 60s. Ah. So. When doctors are me- recommending smoking. <laughs> <laughs> it's very <laughs> interesting time for medicine (laughs) very creative all right hey there miss johnson we put your pee into these frogs and it started popping out eggs it's a girl (laughs) i have another pack of marlboro yeah celebrate with a smoke and some champagne also humans we like eating frogs it's still a thing that many people do okay uh it's not as popular in the U.S. as it used to be. Back, like in the 19th century, we used to eat a lot of frogs. I feel like a stigma came up around it. Like, probably some comedian made a joke, punching down, you know, a bunch of frog eaters, which we still call the French. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. And then everyone's like, well, I'm not a frog eater. And then, I don't know. We can look that up. I'm not going to. But also, the whole thing with warts. 
maybe it there'll was... be a toad eater though because toads are bumpy but not so grumpy i already forgot my rhyme wasn't <laughs> it was like smooth and slippery <laughs> is a slog no <laughs> we don't need to rehash could just let it slip away i was told when i was a kid if you got warts that meant you had touched a frog or a toad i don't remember which one and so you Probably were gross like yeah because you had toady skin yeah and i had warts so yeah and what was your frog interaction frog toad interaction look i'm not gonna lie i did mess around in the creek quite a bit and um you're a creek kid for a, a period of time yeah everybody goes through a creek kid phase if yeah. there's a creek near you yeah i was down there was that why i got them i don't know i'll never know all i know is it was tr- really scarring emotionally but around here around these parts it wasn't much toads or frogs uh did see those little crayfish thingies yeah i didn't see a bunch of those yeah that's what i was looking for in the creeks crayfish yeah were you gonna eat them crawfish crayfish no just take them out are crawfish and crayfish the same thing i don't know okay should we move on sure some more interesting stuff about frogs they are ancient we start seeing frogs like proto frogs around 265 million years ago they're mostly carnivorous in the wild, uh, they have three to 18 year lifespans. Mm. They have binocular vision and almost a 360 degree field of vision. They're so weird and rad. Like some can basically fly. Their feet have big webs that turn them into little gliders. Uh, frogs can absor- absorb oxygen underwater through their skin. And one frog has so much excess flappy skin uh, that it never has to surface for air. It's like just really wrinkly and shriveled. Uh huh. And um, that just it creates more surface area and more area to absorb oxygen. Yeah. And that's the Titicaca water frog, aka the Titicaca scrotum frog. Uh, to be a scientist. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was so cool. You get the titty caca and the scrotum. Yeah. <laughs> it's a- like, probably the best day of his scientific life, right? <laughs> well, the scrotum is is a nickname for it. I don't think the scientists were calling it that. But but the fact that he got to pair them up. Titty right. caca, scrotum, frog. And then, like, write scientific papers on it, do s- s- talks on it. Like... That's a creek kid who never grew up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just warts all over. Mm-hmm. I was just going to look up, can you buy a titty cock a scrotum frog shirt? Because you Googled those words? <laughs> there is a shirt that says, save the lake titty cock a scrotum frog. So it looks like they're probably going extinct. So anyway. <laughs> all right. We haven't even gotten to any frogs yet. Have you noticed? that we've? This has been... Keep... Like that's coming at me. <laughs> okay. They're also seen as environmental bellwethers, which is a word that I wasn't super familiar with. Bellwethers. Hmm? 
Um, and what that means is that when frogs start disappearing from an area, that's usually a bad sign. So bed we- bell weather, I guess that's like bed wetters. Bell bed weather. That's bad. Bad days ahead. Storms it's a canary are coming. in the coal mine. Right. Yeah. And in this case, it means that damage has been done to the ecosystem, and you know things aren't looking great. It's going to start suffering. At least 120 species are estimated to have gone extinct since the 1980s. And I'm sure it's a lot more than that. Since the 80s? Mm-hmm. Wow. So what's happening? Probably all that Mountain Dew that got into the creeks. What? Why? The, the mountain- water system. From kids. Just urinating? Call, calling back to, you know, the diet that the kids were put in uh-huh. in the 90s. Yeah. Which is your extreme foods, high fructose, all that stuff makes its way into the ecosystem. And you got creek kids going down there. So there was a whole generation of frogs that were raised on high fructose corn syrup and parabens. Exactly. Right. Maybe they weren't environmentally, you know, you couldn't adapt to extreme nacho cheese Doritos. <laughs> Not fast enough. Not fast enough. Humans are adaptable. They can adapt quick, quicker than most other animals, which is wh- partly why we've been able to survive so long. Yes. Okay, so what's happening? Why are the frogs and toads we're talking about today going extinct? Well, here are some of the big blanket reasons, if you will. One, chytridomo... <clears throat> Chytridomycosis, and that's a fungal disease that causes a variety of symptoms that eventually lead to death, including excessive shedding of the skin, loss of the writing reflex, and con- convulsions. In writing reflex in frogs. Yeah, like jump crazy, you want to land, flip through the air, you want to oh, land back on your handwriting. <laughs> Not like correcting a left-handed person to write with their right hand. Is that no? <laughs> like writing W R I T. Writing like a cat, you know R I G H. Oh, okay. Yeah, like a cat. Like jumps finding in. balance in midair. Correct. So those are some of the effects of this um, disease, and it's a fungal disease, and it affects many frogs, and it's led to over. 200 frog and amphibian extinctions that we know of. It spreads easily, like really easily, and can live in water for weeks on end. Human activity helps spread it, and that's kind of what's fueling the proliferation of this. Um, It can live on boots, clothes, and equipment. So human activity in the frog and toad's habitat is making this fungus thrive. Also, chytridomycosis also thrives in warmer temperatures. So climate change helps to fuel that. Um, Warmer temperatures just mean it's like a hot tub, you know? It's going to stay alive longer than it would in a colder pool. Another reason that frogs and toads are going extinct is deforestation. And third is landslides and fires. So it could be any one of those, a combination, but a lot of the ones today, it's going to be that fungal disease. And I probably will just say that instead of the... Uh, trichidomy- trichidomyosis. 
chytridomycosis. I don't know. All right, let's get into some of these uh, frogs and toads. Up at bat, first, leading off, the golden toad. And actually, first, my apologies if I don't include your favorite toad in this episode. Are you talking to me or our friends who are listening? Listeners. Okay. Yeah. Because people send in a lot of frogs. Mm -hmm. I got some recommendations, and I don't think I included all of them. So the golden toad, one of the most famous, it was described as have like dazzling jewels on the forest floor. They're really pretty and bright. And I would say they're more yellow than gold. Okay. You know, golden toad, more yellowy. Also, it's rumored that during mating season, the males would get so excited that they would just jump on anything and just try to mate with it and then, mm-hmm. like, you know, find out later if it was male or female. It's like... <laughs> Shoot first. Add <laughs> questions later. It's also famous, and a lot of these frogs and toads are, for having a very small habitat, like the Tacopa pupfish. The golden toad was a Costa Rican toad that lived in the Monteverde cloud forest within an elevation band between 5,000 and 5,300 feet. That's just That's, yeah. 300 feet. Yeah. Um, and it bred exclusively in temporary pools that formed during the rainy season. You may already know this, but the Monteverde Cloud Forest, I really wasn't sure of what that was. It sounds like a place I'd enjoy going. Mm-hmm. I've been to a cloud forest. You've been to a cloud forest? I have. Really? In Costa Rica. This is a Costa Rica. Was it this one? It might have been. Did, did you see f- frogs? Yes. Were they like bedazzled jewels on the I don't remember floor? that much about it. I did go on like one nature walk thing. Yeah. I don't think it was Monteverde. It was in Costa Rica. And yeah, it's you're in a rainforest, but it was just like clouds and fogginess yeah. all over. Wow. It was very cool because you're up at the mountains. Well, the okay. So maybe you didn't go to this one. I'm just going to... What I found out about it was that this is a very famous reserve in Costa Rica, this particular one. And it's usually a tropical or subtropical forest that's covered in clouds. And so it's perpetually moist, really wet. And... That was my experience. Yeah. Did you have to... You go out and go, that makes sense why it's called the cloud forest. It's just cloudy, uh, like, amongst the trees and stuff. Was it uncomfortably muggy or was it refreshing? Uh, It was a little on the muggy side, if I remember. Like, I was wearing a a flannel because you're in this, like, in-between zone where you're like, yeah, I can get away with wearing this flannel, but it's a little bit hot. It's like when you're nervous sweating. But it's yeah, cold yeah. outside. Yeah. Right. The warning flags for this toad were waved in 1996. And by uh, 2004, they're declared extinct. That's quick. Yeah. Well, I think they had noticed earlier than that. But uh, I think that was like, that's the official time span or something, whatever. I think it's 50 years, right? It has to go by before they're declared extinct. Oh, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, it's 50 years. 
Yeah, so that would have been less than 50 years from 1996. Yeah. But so I think in 1996, that's probably when they started looking for them. But nobody had probably seen one for many years. And this extinction's going to go to that fungal disease. Put that in the tally mark. Yep. And probably temperature change is what did it. Temperatures have gone up so that fungus is really thriving in those temporary pools and not giving the frogs a chance to uh, procreate like they need to or killing their eggs or whatever it does. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that one. Boom. That's a golden Wiped pool. out. Gone. Next up, Heredia robber frog. H-E-R-E-D-I-A. Heredia. This one's really interesting. The big identifier for this frog would be their red bellies. And we knew it existed in Costa Rica before 1986. And they were rumored to live in humid areas near volcanoes. Hmm. Uh, But after 1986, they stopped seeing any in the wild. And they were declared extinct in 2004 as well. Then they found a female in 2016. So it wasn't extinct. And probably there were more frogs than just this one female frog that they didn't name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they take her to a facility. Yeah. And I think she's still there. Just living out, being an endling. She's probably dead by now, right? And probably. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a really long... No, no, that was 2016. Yeah, it's still probably dead. She's probably dead. Um, I get. We've had this situation so many times. You take one back to a terrarium or a cage, and you're hoping you'll find an opposite sex one out in the wild again, and then they never do. Um, or they find one, and then they just don't want to have sex. They don't want to procreate because they're yeah outside of their natural element. And but you're, you're trying your best. What are what else are you gonna do? Yeah. Hope you find two of them at the same time and mm-hmm. lock them into the forest. You got to take them. <laughs> like provide a natural courtship that feels natural. doesn't feel like a forced marriage. Yeah. Like set them up on a blind date. No, you got to take them in, put them in a terrarium. See if it can happen. <laughs> yeah. Stick them with some pee. Let nature do its thing. When they found this one, all these articles came out like, wow, frog once declared extinct reappears. Wow, see, they were wrong. And that's got to do so much damage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, see, all these people saying everything goes extinct. It's all just for headlines and clicks. I know. Exactly. And that's why I bring it up. And you read the article. And there's one little line in there about a scientist saying, we're going to bring them back. And then you feel good, right? You're like, uh-huh. oh, they're wrong. It's not as bad as we thought. They're going to bring this frog back. But they haven't. And they and like they never have really with any of those. Yeah. It's like the best intention of the scientist is to bring it back. But we don't have the ability to do so. And then we feel like we can just keep going on and doing what we've been doing extincting well to be fair i didn't know this frog existed so kind of in my personal universe it's been extinct 
Yeah. And then you tell me it's not extinct. If it goes extinct again, it's like, well, I didn't know it was there in the first place. <laughs> all, the, all you've given me was a little, oh, that's nice. And then I move on with my but life. But you felt, felt good. Got a little serotonin. Is that what you get? Yes. What are the chances you think when you were American tourist tromping through the cloud forest in Costa Rica that you like personally extincted a species of frog? Well... By stepping on it. I was on the little hike, you know, leaving a trail of McDonald's wrappers <laughs> and Snickers, half-eaten Snicker bars. And, you need uh, fuel to get through that hike. Yeah. Uh, I do, like, maybe I might have put a, a huge, you know, bottle of Gatorade down <laughs> on some type of frog. But, you know, frog, blood, and Gatorade, kind of the same color, so... <laughs> who cares yeah also declared extinct at this time was holdridge's toad also don't known as the deaf and dumb toad (laughs) (laughs) so bad um and that's because it's deaf and mute but i'm like why do we uh, we're not saying deaf and dumb anymore right I don't think being dumb comes out a lot more because it's just been co-opted as being stupid. But there was a time, like my grandparents probably said, oh. They're struck dumb. Mark Anthony. Dumbfounded. No, Mark Anthony down the street is deaf and dumb. Yeah. Yeah. That blind, deaf, and dumb kid sure plays a mean pinball. (laughs) From the Who, Tommy. Is that uh, the lyric? Wow, I didn't know that. So the deaf and mute frog, Holdridge's toad, they don't communicate through sound. And we don't even know how they communicate with each other. But they do. Maybe it's scent. Aren't there stinky frogs? There's gotta be. Hot, steamy cloud forest. It's like a sweat box. Stanks of frog in here. Yeah, they're stinky frogs. I'm going to go out on a limb and say yeah. It's like the air traffic control tower for the Top Gun pilots. Don't get me started. <laughs> well, I'm interested to see where you're taking this because I don't how you can connect the dots between stinky frogs and Maverick buzzing a control tower. In the Top Gun film that just came out. <laughs> yes. Maverick. Like at the beginning of summer a long time ago. Uh-huh. Uh, whenever there's someone in the control room that they cut to and Maverick's doing something crazy and they're just like losing their mind, just sweat pouring off their forehead and uh, they're all trapped in this dark room sweating uh-huh. for who knows how long. Looking and, at the radar blips, right? which apparently like radiates heat. <laughs> Like, because, like you said, everyone is dripping with sweat looking at these. Yeah. Uh, so, so, how are we connecting that to stinky frogs? Imagine what it smells like in that room. <laughs> and now put yourself in the cloud forest as a frog. Uh huh. You're perpetually in. You're schwitzing. Yeah. It's stinky. Okay. Anyway, so that one went extinct 2004. They rediscovered it in 2010. They found another one. So, a lot of these. 
they're getting real loose on what's extinct and what's not. Yeah, maybe hold up before you start <laughs> declaring everything extinct. We should raise that the extinction rule for frogs, maybe. Yeah. Like 100 years. Another one declared extinct in 2004 was the McCronies, McCronies robber frog. And that's its common name. But it was named after the guy, James McCrane. And he's even said that it was... Wait, McCrony or McCrane? McCronies, but he's McCrane. So I guess you'd be like, hey, that's McCrony's frog. Why would his name be McCrane and his frog be named McCrony? I don't... Maybe it's like his friend's nickname for him? Maybe after you've celebrated discovering it and you're at the bar and you've thrown back a couple, it just kind of, that's... And then they just let's just go with it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But even he said that that was not like that. They shouldn't have named it after him. It should have been named after the location where it was found in uh, Cerro Buffalo Cordillera de Nombre de Dios. Well, I can see why they went with the shorter (laughs) option. At the edge of Pico Bonito National Park. All of those that I just talked about they're dead went extinct or went extinct and then came back and are probably extinct again because of the fungus you want to hear about some more frogs i cannot wait have you heard about the gastric brooding frog (sighs) this seems like a setup of a joke that like an uncle would tell you you're right. When he's three Budweiser's deep. <laughs> so just destroyed. <laughs> just no, just getting warmed up. Oh, yeah? Yes. How many is, when is he done? Look, if you're an uncle and you're three buds deep at a family function, that's just, you're only three rips on the cord <laughs> of the lawnmower. Okay. You haven't, <laughs> you haven't nearly fired up yet. Is there a point where the tequila bottle gets brought out? I'm not saying that's not that kind of uncle. So okay. You're just sticking with buds. Okay. So it's a 12 pack he's going for or six? It's 12 or 12. Wow. Okay. This is a hypothetical. Uh, okay. So the gastric brooding frog, he's, it's also known as the platypus frogs. Those are found in Queensland, East, East Australia. These frogs are really cool. The females swallow their eggs and those grow inside her belly. Six weeks later, she opens up her mouth and babies come out. That is cool. Yeah. Frogs are so rad. I love them. Kind of. Did that seem forced? No, that seemed pretty authentic. Because I, to be honest with you, I don't want to touch one. Have you seen this bumper? There's one, the bumper sticker. It says MILF on it. (laughs) Okay. And that's all you see when you're a little, and then you drive up close and it says, man, I love frogs. (laughs) No way. Uh (laughs) Uh, I love it. I approve of that bumper sticker. (laughs) Wow. That's, uh, it reminds me of. um, There's a picture of a frog on it too. So it says MILF and there's a frog. Then you get up. I love that you got to get close though. Yeah. Which is dangerous, but also worth it. Not really, but we've really come down, I think, in the bumper sticker department in the 80s and 90s. It was just funner, and now they're really serious. 
you know it's like coexist and you know what I, i think it's the the barrier to entry has really come down to where anybody with right it used to be you had to show some initiative to get a bumper sticker made like you had to send a money order somewhere. Uh, you had to know people. You had to go out and find somebody who would make it and put up some money. Now, I could get you a bumper sticker made literally in the next 10 minutes. And it's here tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be the dumbest thing ever. Right. And you're not going to invest money in something stupid. You have to feel like you have a good idea. And that bumper sticker got printed out overseas. It got put in a big shipping container and well, you had to buy like a thousand of them. Yeah. Yeah. But my point is your dumb bumper sticker is now coming across the ocean on this big, huge super ship. Uh, how many marine animals it's killed in the process? <laughs> Unknown. If it even makes it, what yeah. if it dumps over and all the toxic things inside like pollute that area? There's now no your bumper sticker is washing up for the past 20 years on the shore of like Mayor, like maine all because you wanted to say like your grand puppy parent grandparent what is it you don't puppy parent you're yeah anyway we used to have have you hugged your computer today you had that bumper sticker it was my dad's one of my dad's yeah uh my nerdy dad not the film dad (laughs) yeah yeah that makes so much sense so that was that was my formative one. We had no knuckleheads, and my uncle had these made up. And I forget the story. I think like knucklehead was like a ventriloquist dummy that was popular for a minute. I don't know because I never saw the actual like bit that it was based around, but it was like a ventriloquist, and it said no knuckleheads. In like it was worked without knowing who the dummy was because it just said no knuckleheads and I was like that's cool, but I had it on my truck. Wow, because we had like a box of them. Bumper stickers. Uh, I want to get one that says, "I love the titty cock scrotum frog" or something with it. Like <laughs> save the, like save Ferris, but save the yeah. All right, where were we? Okay, we were at the gastric brooding frog. So those come out after they've been in the mama's mouth or her belly for six weeks. And and it looks like those went extinct in the 80s. They're declared extinct in 2002. And a decade after they're declared extinct, a couple universities in Australia began attempting to clone these frogs in a project called the Lazarus Project. Ah, because Lazarus famously... Rose from the dead. I'm, I'm, I'll take your word Biblical. on it. Okay. Embryos were successfully cloned, but I couldn't find any updates on this project, and it's been a while, so I don't think they've actually been able to de-extinct those yet. Okay. You ready for the poison dart frogs? Yes. These are cool. Um, I know some of went extinct but this is more just a little bit about them. yeah <laughs> just talking about poison dart frogs for the fun of it these guys come in lots of colors and they're native to central and south america 
their skin has poison on it. And each frog's poison is different. There's different chemistry makeup for all of them. And they're, part of that is informed by their diet. So their very specific diet for wherever they live makes it just a little bit different. That's cool. Most poison dart frogs are not super toxic, though. The effects of eating one are supposed to teach you a lesson. Yeah. Like, more slap on the wrist. Don't like, do that again because you got sick. Yeah. That's like when you eat too much candy or... Mm. Uh, Jawbreaker. What's like the thing that you know you're going to eat? Ah, for me, we've talked about this. It's Chipotle. Uh-huh. Every time I eat Chipotle, it destroys my stomach. So it's like, warning, you can eat me, but there's going to be... Consequences. Yeah. So you probably want to stay away. And then naturally your brain's going to forget this. And then... Eventually. About eight months later is... Is when you start to have that craving again. <laughs> right. Um, one poison f- dart frog in particular is very poisonous, though. It's the golden poison dart frog. And I guess, like, that's kind of just when we really like a frog, we put golden in front of it. That's what I'm getting learned from this. <laughs> it might also be yellow color. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. The poison golden dart frog... Uh, has enough toxin to kill 10 humans. If you touched one, your muscles would contract and basically your heart would stop and you'd be dead in minutes. Whoa. So the native tribes in the Golden Frogs uh, region would use that poison to coat their arrows and darts. uh, And apparently... It would remain effective on the weapons for like a year. Wow. Um, Question. Do you think more people were killed by actually getting shot by them or by accidentally getting pricked by their own poison arrow and darts? Probably shot. They. I don't think they let you mess around with the poison darts until you've gone through some rigorous training. Mm. No, I mean, that's my personal opinion. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that really happened. We almost extincted the golden poison dart frog by way of deforestation. But I think we're protecting them now and they are not extinct. But other poison dart frogs have gone extinct. Uh, Like the splendid poison dart frog is gone. And I'm sure a bunch of others. But we don't. We like the poison dart one, so we're going to yeah. try and save that. The splendid. I like this. They're, they're starting to get into Spider-Man naming territories, you know, <laughs> like there's amazing Spider-Man. And what are the other Spider-Mans? Can you look them up? Are you watching a baseball game as we're recording this? I'm, not, I'm keeping tabs on it. <laughs> well, Incredible Spider-Man. Oh, there's right. amazing Spider-Man. Anyways. I don't I'm not a big Spider Man fanatic. It's I don't cool. know. Moving on. This next frog. I thank you to Andy for sharing this story with me. Andy emails with suggestions and tips sometimes, and I'm very grateful for him to do that. Thank you, Andy. A little he this is a little toad that lives in Nevada and it's called the Dixie Valley Toad. 
Its habitat is the water in and around hot springs in an area. <laughs> this is sounding awfully <laughs> to cope a pupfish. In an area of wetlands outside of Reno, it's also the location of two renewable energy geothermal plants. And they discovered this toad when they were getting ready to build two additional plants in the area. And if they did build those, it would essentially wipe out the entire species of Dixie Valley toad. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, okay, wait, we're going to protect these for now. It's a temporary protection and they don't know what they're going to do yet. The energy company is also being sued by a Native American tribe in the area who mm -hmm. considers the hot springs as a sacred place. Uh, so that's happening right now. And it's a pretty hot topic. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh -huh. At first, so I, it, it's a problem, right? Because it's a renewable energy plant. And so you think, this is good. We need more stuff right th like this. Yeah. But then here's this species we're going to intentionally extinct. Nothing's ever easy, is it? No. And then on top of it, it's like, oh, yeah, but these are really important to our tribe, these hot springs. Yeah. So probably just build it somewhere else, right? Just find another location. Another renewable hot springs. I, I think they're just going to get rid of the hot springs. It's not like a hot spring generated renewable energy plant. I don't know if you can do that. Sounds like that's what it is. Is that a thing? I don't know. No. All I know, you go on Reddit and every other day there's some like, hey, there's some renewable energy thing. Like this wave machine that gets it from the ocean. There's a billion ways to have renewable energy. All right. So let's not research it a second longer. And we'll just say this is a hot spring generated renewable energy plant. Yes. Without a doubt. Sure. <laughs> All right. So that's the Dixie Valley toad. Um, Not extinct, so we can move on. Best of luck to you. All right, Jack. One more frog. And this is kind of the opposite of getting extincted. This one was introduced to an area and their population exploded. Have you heard of Australia's cane toads? Um, I have a, a a passing familiar familiarity with the cane toad. The extent of it is I I know the name, mm. and there was a joke on The Simpsons about Ooh. introducing a non-native frog to Australia that kind of wreaks havoc. I love that. I didn't watch that episode. It's the Australia episode. It's classic. Oh, I'm, I I want to watch it. Okay, so these toads are brutal. 100 toads from South America were introduced to Australia in 1935 as a way to control cane beetles that were eating up all the sugar cane on local plantations. But the toads didn't have much of an effect on the beetles. <laughs> and the beetles just kept eating the sugar cane and the toads just continued to overpopulate the area. They estimate now there's a maybe one and a half 
billion of them? Oh, God. From the 100. I guess our version of that would be the um, European starling, right? Mm-hmm. Like 100 of those were introduced to South, um, to Central Park. <laughs> and now there's, I don't know, millions, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But these guys are not like European starlings. They have highly poisonous skin. So there's no natural predators in the area to keep the population in check because they're not from there. There's, yeah. There's nobody to, nobody developed that ability to, to eat these toads. Yeah. So beyond their toxic abilities, they're known to eat just about anything, including birds, small rodents, and trash. Wow. This is like the wrong thing to introduce. Yeah. Brutal frogs. And now they've even adapted to become cannibalistic. Well, at least something's eating these frogs. <laughs> right. It's not the adult toads that are eating adult toads. It's the tadpoles, and they're eating unhatched eggs. And yeah, maybe that will help keep the population in check. I'm not yeah. sure. And I think the whole thing with these toad, cane toads and why we hear about them every now and then is that groups have been attempting to solve this problem for so long. And one thing they do is they train other animals to avoid eating the toads by feeding them sausages laced with the toxin. Huh. <laughs> So that makes them sick and is supposed to teach them to stay away, which I'm like, yeah, of course, that's a cane toad and that's a sausage. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they can like smell the toxin or something. I'm assuming maybe the the sausages are fashioned to look like toads. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy. We tried everything. (laughs) I know, I what do you mean they're still eating up? Uh, Didn't they see the sausage? Yeah, so that's that's what I have for frogs and toads. I've been hyping this up for, I want to say, years. And I feel like I probably let everyone down, but I was excited. I always feel like that. Yeah. I learned a lot, and I'm excited about frogs now. Man, I love frogs. <laughs> Well, I'm glad we got it out of the way and you can, you know what? It's a lot like Chipotle. (laughs) Maybe in about eight months, you'll want to do another one. Get some more frogs in here. If we had a more popular podcast, we would have the best merchandising online store ever. You could buy the MILF. We would just steal somebody's idea for. Yeah, that's a thing. I think with bumper stickers, you can get away with some copyright infringement right why not um we, we would do the milf bumper sticker and the <laughs> save the titty cock scrotum frog it's this episode right here we would, yeah and generating <laughs> merch oh boy this is a long episode do you want to hear about the thylacine update yeah okay get into it i'm going to play you one of the voicemails because it kind of is a nice segue into it 
I thought your recent uh, episode about cloning was absolutely fascinating. So thank you for that. Uh, but I do have two questions. Number one, has anybody ever tried to clone an extinct animal or, you know, of any kind? And uh, two, of course, has anybody ever tried to clone a human? Hey, thanks, guys. This is John. Thanks. Uh, thanks for all you do. Appreciate it. I missed the second part. The second part was, has anybody ever tried to clone a human? Oh. Well, Melissa, we're waiting. <laughs> well, first off, the episode he was referring to in the beginning was track, Tracker, Tracker. Yeah. Uh, where we talk about... The dog. The dog. The 9-11 dog. 9-11 hero dog, and there's a whole lot about de-extinction and uh, cloning in there. So go listen to that episode. And now he's asking about cloning animals that have been extincted. And yes, they're trying to do it. I think everybody's probably heard about like mammoths. Uh -huh. We're trying to de-extinct those. Well, the new one that got a lot of press lately was the thylacine. They're hey. Yeah, they're trying to de-extinct the Tasmanian tiger. Which is a big day for me, right? I mean, I'll tell you how I feel about it at the end. But okay, so that's that's my special story. I'm going to talk about that. As far as have anybody ever tried to clone a human? Probably 100, percent right? <laughs> In some really nefarious lab somewhere. Can you do it kind of under the radar? Because I feel like there's all sorts of ethical standard stuff, and I don't know. I don't know enough about cloning and what it takes. I'm going to say no, because I think it takes a ton of money and uh, too many people will be involved to like secretly do it. Okay. I think on an actual realistic scale, yeah, it hasn't been done because we're not doing that great with animals. Yeah. But I would say, has somebody tried? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a hunch. Just a, yeah. Okay, well, you tell know, me about these thylacines. They, late night at the lab, they're like, mm, what if we just do this, you know? Nobody's See, no, because I think it's a little more complicated than that. I don't know. I didn't, you know, I'm, I don't have a science degree. I wasn't in AP biology. This like, is, and I could tell because. Right. If you cut open a pig, you would see that there's a lot more stuff <laughs> happening in there. A lot more stuff. <laughs> you can't just slip in a human embryo <laughs> when no one's looking. Poop. Sew it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get back to this Hasmanian tiger. There's a place called Colossus Biosciences in Texas. And um, from the tracker episode, that's where the pet cloning place is too. One of them. So I guess that like, Texas is just, that's where they do that stuff. Yeah. They recently announced that they're attempting to de-extinct the Tasmanian tiger. And this is the same team that is also trying to de-extinct the woolly mammoth. I'm going to tell you right now, first impression, mammoth and they have totally ulterior motives, right? Their main goal as a company is not to de-extinct these animals. These are just mascots that are going to grab some attention in the headlines. There has to be some other 
huge money-making venture that they're going to use a similar process or use some science that they, they use to de-extinct these. Like humans? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe something else. Yeah, it could be more dogs or something. All I'm saying is that this is not like an altruistic, like we're going to do this and bring them back for extinction because it doesn't really make that much sense. You might be right, but I know that one of the main people behind it is is really into Tasmanian tigers. I don't know how else to say it. He's been researching it for a long time and it's genuinely probably does want them to come back. To me, it screams of like the, the genetic, like, hey, find your ancestry, and everybody's sending in their mm. their DNA. I see. And all, all these companies are just like hoarding all your DNA, and so that they can sell it to advertisers. Oh yeah, I probably you're right. It probably all ladders back to like Instagram's going to send us some suggestion. Yeah, based on your DNA for a T-shirt that we need to buy basically. because they found like some combination of your gene where you're like this guy loves like teddy kaka shirts <laughs> this guy is genetically dispositioned he's going to buy it <laughs> okay so this colossal biosciences is teaming up with an australian lab called thylacine integrated genetic restoration research lab mm, rolls off the tongue yeah And they collectively have around $15 million to make this happen. They also have the support of the Hemsworths. Oh. Yeah. Uh, They're behind it and they support this project. And like the voice, the main Hemsworth uh, giving the voice to it is Chris. Yes. I don't know. Is that Thor? And I get them confused. So let me look real quick. Is he Thor? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's Thor. I looked it up. IMDb just told me. So does that make you like the project a little bit more? Uh, yes, but I still have my doubts. Okay, well, let me finish. So how are they doing it? They have thylacine DNA. There are preserved specimens and museum specimens. So um, they will be sequencing that. And then they sequence the DNA of its closest living relative, which is the fat-tailed dunnart. And that's a tiny marsupial mouse. Okay. I know. Uh, Then they compare the two DNA sequences. And they basically edit the dunnart's DNA to turn it into a Tasmanian tiger. Or really what it is is something that closely resembles it. This is a mouse? How is it going to mm-hmm. be, be a mouse into a tiger? Is it going to be teeny tiny tiger? Oh. <laughs> well, this is this is why it's it's interesting is cuz you're dealing with marsupials too, right? Uh-huh. Let me finish this up and it might make a little more sense. So, what you have is a cell with this engineered DNA, the mm-hmm. Dunnart cell that looks like a thylacine cell yeah the nucleus of that cell is inserted into a dunart egg it's zapped we remember that from uh trekars episode and hopefully it grows either in an artificial womb or in the dunart for a little bit because yeah probably i'm thinking would need some type of host yeah and then about 42 days later a thylacine like creature should emerge 
That's an interesting sentence. A thylacine-like creature. Yeah. it's That's what's crazy about this. Is that, yeah, we don't have a thylacine to, like, grow this in. Yeah. And we don't have a thylacine egg. We're making one. We're manufacturing one. Okay. And then at the end of the day, let's say this thylacine-like creature comes out, and then they just profit? You're right. They're going to get... They're going to do something else after this. You're right. This is just the publicity stunt if they succeed. Okay. But but I was also thinking that since it's a marsupial, let's say it starts growing in the Dunart because can't mar- marsupials can live in a pouch before they're like ready to come out. So I don't know enough, but that seems like that would be the case, yeah. That's why maybe it they might be more successful with a marsupial. Um, I don't know. That's what I'm just thinking. They I might. did see the other day that you can have like an artificial womb too. Yeah. They're there they're growing a lamb and basically yeah. like a plastic Ziploc bag with fluids in it. That that seems to be the better solution than growing it in a tiny mouse. Yeah. To me, yeah. Up to a certain point and then you can remove it and put it in a, a pouch. Yeah. You know, kill the Sous vide it. <laughs> Sous vide it. In a plastic bag. Yeah. So at first, it's like I said, it'd be thylacine like. Eventually, their goal would be to get it 99.9% thylacine, like through continuing to like create a creature that's more and more thylacine like and less Dunart like. Um, and that's what this gets down to is that you can't really ever de extinct any animal. Yeah. A hundred percent. You can get pretty close, but not. You're. It's impossible. It's gone. Yeah. Essentially, what they're trying to do is create something that can fill the gap in nature that was created when the original animal went extinct. What happened when the thylacine went extinct is that Australia and Tasmania lost an essential apex predator, and what we're learning is that when you lose an apex predator. There's a trickle-down effect on the ecosystem. We've talked about this many times. If you go to the Colossus Biosciences website, yeah, they break this all down really well, actually. They spent a lot of money on this website. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like a graphic novel novel from the 90s. It's That's cool. It's cool. <laughs> I check it out. The Biosci- Colossus Biosciences website and they have the woolly mammoth and the thylacine on there hey Um, here's an idea while they're doing all this you know playing god and and tweaking genes and stuff mm -hmm. why not like inject like an insatiable crave for toad cane cane toads (laughs) if there's a gotta have it (laughs) hungry hungry thylacines for (laughs) your favorite snack is a cane toad (laughs) Do they do take suggestions? Genius! I'm everybody. If you, when you're done listening, go to the Colossus Biosciences and ask if you could just make one little edit in that DNA sequence for the cane toad thirst. I'm sure this will have no unintended repercussions. Wow. Okay, so and what they call it on uh, Colossus Bioscience is tropic, tropic, tropic downgrading. Um, so there's less biodiversity, 
more disease, more wildfires, more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, just to name a few. So everything just sort of gets downgraded a level, mm-hmm. right? And um, the aim of all of this creating a Tasmanian tiger-like animal is that it can take on this role of apex predator and hopefully restore some of the areas in Tasmania um, from that tropic downgrading process and eventually we'll get to a healthier version of what Australia and Tasmania used to be. They think that it could be done in 10 years. Mm. Okay. They expect to have the Tasmanian tiger before the woolly mammoth, and that's because of the gestation period. So it's 14 days for a Tasmanian tiger to gestate, I guess. Yeah. And 22 months. Okay, that makes sense. For a mammoth. Understandably, they're getting a lot of pushback on the project. A lot of people are saying it's just a publicity stunt. Including some well-known extinction podcasts. (laughs) But there is a lot of research that's um, going back decades here into this effort. There's other pushback about questions regarding the quality of life of the animals being used in this process and which we know from the Trakar episode it's not great yeah you're going through thousands yeah of embryos so is it worth it i don't know and then other people are thrilled obviously if you're a tassie tiger fan this is exciting um and you know it's never easy is it (laughs) no and you know it's like okay the first guy through the wall is gonna get bloody yeah you're right and i eventually think in our lifetime, probably, we're going to see an animal be de-extincted, mm-hmm. and it would likely be the Tasmanian tiger, which is, like, I don't even really know what I think about it. Cause That's your favorite one, though, so, you know, yes. it's, you're kind of rooting for it. I am, but it's also not 100% the real deal. It's a knockoff. No, but, like, when you see, like, the white rhinos breeding with the other not-quite-right yeah. white rhino. You're right. Still like, meh. All right. It's better than nothing. This has been a real roller coaster for me. I've been back and forth. Okay. So first, I think, okay, we extincted them. That's it. We had our chance. You know, let's focus our efforts on saving the animals that we still can, like the Tasmanian devil, that thing's got fungus issues and is facing extinction all the time. But then I was like, but this whole apex predator thing is a really good idea. Like we've it's a way seen to bring back balance. Yes. Yeah. But then I'm like, okay, the animals involved in the cloning process are being abused. What are you gonna do? I don't. I don't know. I already said my things about bloody through the wall and never easy. <laughs> uh. This is the price. If I knew that it was artificial wombs and we weren't killing a ton of animals in the process, I'm saying 100%. Look, eventually in the future, you could get to that. Mm -hmm. But since it's so young, you got to do the ugly stuff, right? Right. You got to perfect the process. Maybe, you know, so you go through a few thousand uh, 
and toss away embryos and eventually in a decade or two it'll be a much kinder process because of what you've learned and then maybe you have a new tool to bring balance to some ecosystems mm-hmm. if that's even your goal which we all know it's not and it's <laughs> all about selling bumper stickers on instagram and call it back cut it out showed that all right guys that was a long one thank you for listening let us know what you think about the thylacine if you want to call in what speak pipe something (laughs) i'll put it in the notes for the show uh you could leave us a voicemail there thanks to everyone who's been writing suggestions and sending me news articles and stuff i love it um we are your friends and um yes just like everybody who listens to a podcast i have a lot of podcast host friends yeah yeah we are your real friends (laughs) i oh gosh anyway all right um see you next time bye bye A Peg Leg Deer production.